electroshock treatment has been given for depression for something like 40 years now. It's a very successful and uh, useful treatment for severe depression that doesn't respond to other things. But depatterning is a use of electroshock treatment in a totally different way, in which instead of giving the shocks, say, two or three times a week, uh, they're given two or three times a day for three or four weeks, reducing the patient to a sort of animal, vegetable state, from which it's hoped that they would recover in a, uh, a more healthy state of mind. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of The Shock Treatment with Mel and Marty. We got a two-parter for you today, the second half to a two-parter. Last week, you know, we talked about the the musicals, you know what I mean? Um, this week we returned to talk about more musicals, but these musicals are um, horror films that later turned into musicals. Yep. As opposed to musicals that turn into horror films, you know what I mean? Yep, and like last week, one of the movies we mentioned was Phantom of the Opera, and Phantom of the Opera was actually a movie, it came out in 1925, but it got better known after Andrew Lloyd Webber started the musical, so everybody just assumed that the stage play is what the movie was based off of, but not the case. Not the case whatsoever in a situation like that. I know there's some horror movies that have been turned into musicals that I didn't know were musicals, and I kind of want to see them now. Oh yeah, Carrie and the Shining. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're got we're well, Carrie. I know that Carrie's come. Both of those films have got a little future with us coming up. Yep, and I, I, which was which was even funnier when I read that it was actually already a musical because I didn't know, and um. You know, a comment was made about Carrie and the Shining being um, musicals that it was ridiculous because it's making light of serious and dark subject matter. Uh huh. But isn't that like the whole point of art? I agree. To see it in different aspects and di- different ways, and you know, so people can perceive things to how they want to perceive it. Not it may not always be what the director or you know whoever is in charge of originally going for. I agree completely. You know, I remember you said that there was, when you, in research, and further research, I remember you said you were surprised by a few of those that were, you know. Yeah, but, I could, because I can't even picture, like, even um, Little Shop of Horrors was actually the Jack Nicholson version. Yeah. I believe was actually a movie before they turned it into a musical, and then they did the remake with Rick Moranis. Of course, yeah. The um, so the the Jack Nicholson version was the first version ever. Or there was one one before that. I think there was one before that, but that was the one that stemmed every the, the musicals and whatnot. Yeah, and and um, there's a bunch of horror movies that I had no clue were made other than Carrie and The Shining. Um, the Human Centipede has a musical. Uh, I believe it. We got a li- yeah, we got a little list. Yeah, it's crazy. I I was like, The Human Centipede is a musical. Now, that movie was disturbing as enough. Can you imagine seeing that one particular scene with everybody, you know, ass to mouth, 
Before it was cool. <laughs> Crawling across the, uh, a Broadway stage. Before going ass to mouth was the cool thing to do. They yeah. You know what I mean? And Nosferatu. I didn't know that had a musical. Nosferatu I don't know. was... He was the first ass eater I heard, Nosferatu. <laughs> yeah, I right? That's why no I ass- like him. <laughs> you got a bad rap because he just ate ass. They think yeah. he's a fucking vampire for eating ass. I mean, granted, Dante said never, you never go ass to mouth, but sometimes it's okay, as Rosario Dawson's character said. I wonder how many times Rosario Dawson's actually gone ass to mouth. Probably never. Life imitating art? Maybe. Who knows? I go not ask my monkey, not my circus. Yeah, I go to ask. I go ask them out every now and then because like having dessert at the end of dinner. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't tell the public. That's off the record, right? No. Not anymore. All right, fair enough. As long as Leo don't hear it, I Leo doubt it. Unhappy. You'd be an unhappy camper. I bet a camper. So, The Shining, uh, you brought that up. Let's start with The Shining, you know. Quite possibly one of the greatest um, Stephen King vehicles, you know what I mean? And quite possibly the greatest horror, one of the greatest horror films, if you will. Um, yeah, the Kubrick version. We talked to the Kubrick. No offense to Mr. Garris and Mr. King, but I do prefer the Kubrick version of all of them. Um it's just so iconic, you know what I mean? Uh, I think we've often talked on this show that The Shining's one of those movies, uh, horror movies, that you'll talk to somebody and they'll go, oh man, like, I, I hate horror movies. Horror movies are so stupid, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, but then they go, they bring up The Shining and they go, oh, but I love The Shining. You know, The Shining's so good that it, like, it, it's in a different category, you know what I mean, so to speak. Um, that I, people that hate horror will actually respect The Shining, which I always laugh at that. There's not too many, you know, The Silence of the Lambs, you know what I mean? That's another movie that horror, you know, it isn't a horror film, but, like, people that hate horror love it, you know what I mean? Which is always a fun little tie-in. Now, The Shining, you know, paves, paves, paves a road of gold and blood for a musical and I'd kind of be, I'm, I'd, I'd actually kind of be interested in seeing this because the particular version that started it as a musical, it's actually an opera. It's oh, in really? two acts. It's in two. It's in two acts with an epilogue with music by composer Paul Moravec and a libretto by Mark Campbell. The opera received its world premiere on May seventh, twenty sixteen, at the Ordway Musical Theater in Saint Paul, Minnesota, and as part of the New Works Initiative of the Minnesota Opera. Right. So that's kind of a different take because, you know, everybody usually you think of, not everybody will think of opera offhand. You know, most people think of like a little shop of horrors type or um, like the toxic Avenger or what have you. And opera opera's unfortunately a dying art as beautiful as it is. It's a great Dario Argento film as well. Maybe one of Dario Argento's best films. Opera, I think, works perfectly because, like, the score, if you remember correctly, the musical score to The Shining is like an opera score, pretty much. It's it's not an opera score, obviously, but it's all all the strings and all that, and it's so heavy that it feels like an opera. You know? Yeah, and I think that's why people, you know, think that 
by making it into a musical that it is making light of the subject matter. I, I, I don't... Well, I mean, it is what it is. Even if it is, so what? I feel that's my vibe on it. The Shining... But it, that's the point of interpretation. It's mental, <laughs> the Shining was dealing with mental health before everybody was running around talking about mental health. Very know? true. This dude's doing Cabin Fever. That's why it's such great uh, musical material because the location's kind of just one location... You know what I mean? It's not heavy duty, uh, a bunch of different rooms and, you know, I mean, you got the rooms, but a bunch of different, uh, you know, locations. It's literally the Overlook Hotel, which when you- Yeah, it's a bunch of different locations within one big area. Yeah, you rotate, rotate your stage, depending on what type of budget you're going with, you know, I've seen the stages that rotate or if you got to run it and, and break it down real quick. Um, it can be done either way. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think what the, the, I think the fact that it can all be broken down, you know, red's, red is a huge color in The Shining, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's a lot of that, you know what I mean? And I think it's just very, with the music and the, the part of just the cabin fever vibe of the guy breaking down and him, you know, questioning his sanity and all that I think is a good vibe because it's it's one of those, you know, musicals are great for a more interactive audience where that, you know, the performance is right to you as opposed to you watching it. It's more like he, he's, he's looking in your eyes, the performer's singing and looking, looking in your eyes or, you know, going through the crowd or whatever, yeah, um, playing to the emotion. crowd. You know what I mean? It's, it makes it more... Uh, captivating and especially if you're dealing with like the subject matter of going crazy or the mental health taking over type deal so the shining i think was a great great one to musicalize if you will and even like with carrie i mean i guess that was a musical but it, it premiered in the uk in 1988 and it opened on broadway at the virginia theater the same year but closed after 16 previews and five regular performances due to the Due to the passionate response from both its critics and its fans, the show is considered one of the most notable failures in Broadway theater history. You know, Carrie is another one that works because of the tragic tale that it is. You know what I mean? It's it's there's a lot of emotion behind. You have this girl that's kind of shat on um, in school. The worst time, you know, the worst time for like maybe quite anybody. Uh, and you're like you feel that way at least when you're going through it. You know, in a tough situation. If you're like a if you're un- if you were, you know, unfortunate enough to be be tagged one of those folks that turns into the punching bag for for that fucking class, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you know, you you know the pain of the situation. Um, so there's a lot of emotion to have, be had there. You know, you have the small set environment as well as you have classrooms. You have you know the the proms probably the big payout. Um, yeah. That of course, like in the movie, that there's that whole deal. You know, her house, it was very, they kind of were kind of poor, if I remember correctly. So easy to kind of, you know, you know, uh, you know, copy that over. Uh, on yeah, mom, like mom was a seamstress, you know, like. Yeah, that's the, the true trauma of it is there's no escape. You know, you see this, this is. It, the, the story's been told a million times. It'll be told a million more times. You know, I recently rewatched I, Tanya again, a movie that I love, not a horror movie, but a uh, film that I love. And the way they paint uh, her as a tragic figure of someone that just was could never catch a break 
and everybody treated her like shit in her life. Even even society in the end is really, you know, I really like the way it's done. But in that sense of it, you know, because the Carrie character, you know, at school, like we said, awful life at school. But when she got home, it was even more psychotic. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's just so much stuff that could be done there. Um, that's um, with, I, like with Carrie, like um, the Nardist had put out an article a few years back. And yeah. it, was like the, the, it was called A Brief History of Carrie, the Musical, the Disastrous Production that Inspired Riverdale. Yeah, okay. And Riverdale, I guess at the time, was going into a, a full-blown musical with A Night to Remember, and an, it was an episode that found the teens working on a production of Carrie. So it debuted on 88, closed after 16 previews, blah, blah, blah. And then the Riverdale crew wanted to bring it back to life, and it flopped on the show, mm-hmm. too. Riverdale, the show? Yeah. I don't, just hearing that that show was going to be involved with Carrie, I don't, I have no issue, I don't even want to see a theater play, a stage play. Well, I mean, isn't Riverdale like the Archie Bunker, I'm not Archie Bunker, Archie and Jughead? Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. They made that, they made them unlikable, huh? They made Archie and Jughead unlikable. Yeah, it's a dark twist on the Archie, the old Archie comic. A dark twist. That's that. I've never watched it, but that's what I've heard. That it's a very dark version of the Archie comics. Oh my goodness! Oh, I don't know if it's true or not because I've no, never watched it. But... Archie was just like high school kids, right? That was the whole. I, thing. Yeah, they were a bunch of high school kids. I used to read the comics when I was a kid because my dad always had them. My vibe so, is the the only tie-in is that the fucking the names. One of them's probably named Archibald or something. I wouldn't doubt it. I heard they're gonna do read the Achibunka. They're doing the Achibunka the younger years, where where he turned into why you turn into a racist. I'm looking forward to seeing that show. That should be interesting. Imagine that show. Imagine them making that show, Achibunka the race, like the come up years, and it's just like it's like him on the side of the road with his dad, like as his dad's like beating up some poor gentleman of color. You know what I mean? And he's like, Achi, right. look what he he made my knuckles bleed, Achi. Look he what made he did me to do me. It. You know what I mean? Yep. I don't think America's ready for that show. No, it's like not, everybody not hates the way everything is jobs. right now. It's called Everybody Loves Archibald. That should be interesting. They're not going to make that. They can't. I will sue them because I came up with that idea. I want all the money now. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because like, if that's real, that would be definitely be interesting and like to do something like that right now with the state of, you know... Everything, everything, and everyone is racist, and everything's focusing on racism. Yeah, they did a couple of years ago. They did that weird. I think we brought it up on the show how awful it was. We never watched it, but we could tell it was awful. Where they did all in the family. That could have been a stage. Oh, the live. Yeah, I don't know what that was, but uh, I'm sure that was just as horrific as anything you could imagine. They should have learned their lesson after they tried to do dirty dancing. Dirty dancing makes more sense to do. Yes, but they also took a great movie and friggin' ruined it by doing it. They're making it. They're doing a movie called Dirty Manson about a Charlie who just wanted to sing his heart out. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's good. Each one of his five hundred ladies. Five hundred ladies. Did he get them in heaven? Did he get his virgins in heaven when he passed on? Doubtful. Charlie's Ahmed. a funny thing. Ahmed's probably up there laughing at him. They married, that lady tried to marry him to sell his body to, like, a museum or something. Do you remember that? Mm. 
she looked like more crazy than he did, which is hard to do. I wouldn't doubt it. Did you know that King Kong was also made into a musical? I did know that. I did know that. And that is a good, that's, I could see that. That's a good. That's kind of an interesting one to think of, too, because, you know, like, if, depending on which film they based it off of. You know, that yeah, whole scene with him climbing the Empire State Building, that's got to be interesting on a stage. You got to, well, it's a love story. You got you to gotta have that love story vibe to it. Yeah. Amazon, you know, all the jungle stuff could be interesting. I bet a lot of that jungle stuff is probably stuff that they couldn't do a little risque nowadays, I bet. Um, Trees and bushes dancing around Kong. Yeah, that Empire State Building thing, though, you're dead on with that. Like, I don't even really know how they would do that without it making it look like absolute cheese, you know what I mean? Like some, uh, I mean, like what like Sharknado versus King Kong. I want to say it was Les Mis. I don't remember. It's been a long time. Where they actually have, like, the prop helicopter. Yes. Come down on the stage. Yeah. Uh, if, they can, if they can bring a helicopter in for, like, Les Mis, I'm sure they came up with something kind of epic for King Kong. Well, it's, um, I know that the I scene mean, they... the pictures, the pictures I was seeing were kind uh, of cheesy of the actual Kong character in the play, in the stage play, but I'd still want to see it just because, you know, to see how they put it together. And even now, if they were to come back to do it. From what I gather, from what I, from what I, my research of the, uh, of these musicals, Mel... Uh, is the the King Kong was like a puppet, which actually is probably the best way to do it. Yeah. I automatically thought to them putting a guy in a suit, which is probably naive on my part for thinking they would do something that lame. But um, it almost looks well, like... they did it with Godzilla. Yeah. Well, for the movies and stuff, it's different. But for, like, yeah. I just feel you'd have to have a real 2001 Space Odyssey, somebody really dedicated in that costume to pull off. And they gotta be big and stuff, but... From what I gathered from the pictures and that I've seen of the uh, the King Kong, yeah, you can see the where you can see the the strings and everything. Yeah, it's kind of, but it stuff. has a good it has a good vibe to it though. Where like uh, it's big, and you know, like the moment the scene in the film and all the films, you know, where where he's caged up on the stage, you know what I mean, and he breaks out. I bet that is really cool to see in a musical. Yeah, because yeah, the because if you depending on how you did it, you could also you could incorporate that to the of people leaving the stage, running up the aisles because they would, you know what I mean? Yeah, like in real life, if 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 King Kong was busting loose, people would be fucking hiking out. out of there. Yeah, for real. So I think in a situation like that, it'd be cool to make it interactive, and maybe if it was big, you could make them leave the stage and catch that vibe, you know, but. Yeah, King Kong's. There's there is no footage of how they do the Empire State Building, so it's quite possibly they don't they don't do it. No, because I was even trying I was even trying to see if there was anything on like YouTube, um, that might have gotten uploaded at some point. Yeah, you know, was actually in production just to see how that worked and or if they even showed it because I got curious. There's a, uh, there, like, there's a, if I was directoring one of these musicals uh, with King Kong, when it came to the Empire State Building scene, I would do a miniature the way, like, the movies were, the old, old, old original movie was done, 
where I would just cut the, I would bring the lights down and I would have a miniature Empire State Building brought it, like brought in, and only the light would be on that. So then it would be a little easier to kind of comprehend because you can't, yeah. you're not really, you're not looking at it and seeing it compared to anything else of size. Um, and then just try and figure out a way to make it go up. Like there's a clip of it uh, in the original of it falling down. The, there's like a, a frame of the film where he falls down the side. And yeah. pretty much like I would want to re- redo that almost shot for shot the way that Gus Van Sant did Psycho, but for that scene. I wouldn't want to do completely shot for shot because I think that's very lazy filmmaking. Um, I think Gus Van Sant was a very lazy filmmaker when he made remade Psycho, yes. But um, <laughs> King Kong, a lot of heart in that. And then you, you have the emotional thing that when he dies – you, I, I even the even the Sam the uh, the the Peter Jackson reboot. I had, Jack Black. I had teary eyes, dude, when he when he dies. You know what I mean? You yeah. always do because it's such a great story. So that's even magnified with with the musical. I'm sure the stage presence of uh, you know her singing her heart out of uh, you know how it is, how unfortunate, how unfortunate it is. You know we have. The Evil Dead, fish, uh, a fistful of boomstick type stuff going down. Um, I'm curious uh, to see this. I'd love to see all these. We got our boy Ash Williams. You know what I mean? Uh, you know the one-armed bandit, not to be confused with the gentleman from Home Alone. Um, with the sticky bandits, I believe they yeah, call themselves. Yeah, the sticky bandits. That's what Alex Hogg called him and him and his lover. Call himself the sticky bandits. <laughs> yeah, you know, The Evil Dead's another perfect film for musicals strictly because it's zany, wacky. It's a lot of stuff to sing about. Very few people, very small locations. Your whole locations that ca- you you literally have probably outside the cabin and then inside the cabin, and that's all you really need to worry about. You know what I mean? Yep. You got ash. You got you, you, you deal with maybe a handful of deadites throughout the whole thing. Uh, there's no good Sam Sam Raimi camera work, so I, you know, I'd still go see it, though. I wonder what the blood intake is on something like this. You know what I mean? For something like, you know, I, 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 I would like to hope that something like Evil Dead Musical would be kind of like an ICP or like a Gallagher show where it's just super... You gotta get bloody like the front, the front, the whole entire front row gets. Yeah, like if you if you're in the front row, yeah. exactly. If you're in the front row, you gotta get your that that clear sheet of plastic that you put up over yourself, or your or like a guar show. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're people leaving and different colored fluids soaked. You know what I mean? Yeah, in a good way. Ooh, <laughs> but um, I would love to see. Evil Dead. I, I, I sign me up for any of these. You know, seriously. I think. Um, I think the, my favorite on the list that I would have loved to have been able to see was Young Frankenstein. Color me COVID. Color me COVID. But I want to start doing more things like musicals and other weird entertainment things that I never really. I haven't. We and we went to musicals in school. I mean, I we did too. I and I actually that I was really, it. Well, I'm, I, I, I said we. When I said we, I met you. I met you too, sister. Yeah, like, I I, I used to really, those were like my favorite field trips when we got to go because, like, I got to see cats, Lay Miz, Mice and Men, The Nutcracker, Nutcracker. Like, the Nutcracker is one of my favorites. 
uh, cats, wicked, um, that was, uh, stomp, <laughs> ranch, Chicago, hairspray. <laughs> yeah. Like I actually like I enjoy musicals. I like anything that has to do with music. So I, you know, my mom and dad probably really hate Grease because I drove them nuts with that movie. But that's what started me on my love for them. Everybody loves Grease that loves musicals, they say. That and Hairspray are my top two. I would love to go see Hairspray. John Waters is the man. I love to meet John Waters. He's one of my favorite... uh, Yeah, he's cool. When I think of all the people that are getting up there in age that I would love to meet before they are no longer in a situation to meet people, he's like tops on the list probably. You know what I mean? I'd love to see him even, like, be at a convention that we're at. He does He does New Jersey uh, off and on, I believe. I think he does the New Jersey Horicon. Not, um, not Schiller, but... Monster, the Monster Mania the, one? The Roadboat one or whatever it is. Oh, like, Showboat. Showboat, yeah. the show. I think he's done the Showboat a few times. And the thing with John Waters is he every couple of years he'll come to Berkeley to do a Christmas special. And me and Hawkman, for the last, like, five years that he's done it, have been like, we're going this year, dude. We're going. We're paying VIP. We're going to go. We're going to meet him. And then we just never do it. It sucks because uh, it's one of those deals where it could turn into a big regret. You know what I mean? So hopefully he'll be coming back around and we'll be able to make it out. But, yeah, John Waters is the shit. Uh, And Hairspray, I definitely... Crybaby, I think, also got... Musicalized. I'd love to see Serial Mom as a musical. I'd direct that musical. Sign me up, buddy. But I cut you off while you were talking about Young Frankenstein, not to be confused with Middle Age Frankenstein. Yeah, I, I just like the Gene Wilder. The movie is fantastic. So if they can bring any of that energy to the to the stage, I would have loved to. Have, if they brought that energy to the stage, I should say. Oh, and I'm I sure would have been able to see it. I'm sure they did because they had not not I love Gene Wilder, but they had professional stage and dance people probably as the stars. And I love Gene Wilder to death. More more than more than most people love Gene Wilder. Willy Wonka should yep. be tattooed across my back, you know what I mean? Um, but I think yeah, I definitely think that uh and the movie's fantastic. The stage is probably like I said, they probably got people that you know, Gene Wilder is a super talented actor and comedian, funny dude. You know, he does Young Frankenstein, and then he goes on and does something else where these other people do this. This is their fucking life almost, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's why I think that they, they definitely bring the goods. I would love to go see Young Frankenstein. I'd love to see Young Frankenstein with Mel Brooks in attendance. You probably have to go somewhere into, like, New York or something, which yeah. you're doing maybe some, like, type of introduction or something he's still mel, alive he is mel brooks is another gentleman on that list of people that i would roger corman as well you know what i mean people that are on this list that uh i would love to meet i believe one the, i believe you know rob reiner i'd love to meet i believe carl reiner just passed uh, gilbert you know what i mean there's a lot of like i could make a list of millions of people yeah but uh <laughs> you know what i mean but yeah young frankenstein's classic I always get down with it. That's a movie I didn't see till later in life, believe it or not. Um, I was really little. My dad was watching it one one day, and I just happened to sit down and start watching it with him, and I like, absolutely fell in love with it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's a classic. It's a classic. It's one of those, uh, you know, Mel Brooks classics. He's a good guy. Mel Brooks is a good guy. We'll get him on the show. We'll talk I would about love that. his work on Elephant Man. I love that movie too. That was like a movie I remember watching really young. Yes, 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 yes. Reanimator. Reanimator, of course. You know what I mean. I think that's going to be a fun one to see as a musical. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, they can hand out syringe shots to people. <laughs> oh, that, like alcohol shots? Yeah. That's probably like a realistic thing. They probably do that. They do have them. There's um, there's a a girl online. I think I I want to. She's like the homicide. Her name's like the homicidal chef or something. But uh, she oh. actually fills syringes and makes like Jello shots out of them. Huh. Homicidal homemaker, something something along those lines, but yeah, she she goes through different horror movies and then she makes different alcohol beverages and meals to coincide with the feature. That's pretty cool. I like that the you know Reanimator masterpiece of a film. I mean, anybody out there that's never seen Reanimator, go see. You should even be listening to the show. Go, go, definitely. I believe it's streaming on uh, Amazon Prime right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, very colorful. And it's like, even if you haven't seen it in a long time, go watch it because it's that good. Like, I I didn't watch... Um, I didn't see Reanimator for, like... I didn't watch it for maybe, like, seven years. <clears throat> I think when Stuart Gordon passed, I threw it back on there for, in tribute. And I was blown away at how incredibly awesome that movie is. And I love it. And I've always loved it and held it high, but it's like super good. That's how great it is. Um, and there's so much different, you know, you got all the green and the, and you got the dead coming back and you do have that romance in there. You know what I mean? So you have yeah. that, that's kind of what it would, re- the musical would revolve around the love, the love situation. And then the gore I, and horror would be extra. Now this is making me think of other movies. Like I would love to see Frankenhooker as a, a musical. Yeah. Frankenhooker would be good. I think that would be super fun. We had uh, Graham Skipper. I know was was West, and um, who's who's also he's who's an almost human. He was in that Beyond the Gates movie. Um, yeah, he's a good time, and I remember that. Yeah, I remember. I want to make notes. I remember that last time we brought up something, and I forgot. I forgot Graham Skipper's name, but there you go. Now the world can be a happier place. So hey, they say, you said you would remember. You didn't say when. That's right. That's all that matters. Exactly. You remember. Who cares if it was two years ago when we mentioned that? <laughs> it was two years ago to this day. So let's get back to reality here. Reanimator. <laughs> Fucking great idea for a musical. You run for around. Real. Another one that would be Bloodfest. You know what I mean? Like you could, there could be blood. And I, I, I wish that I was more uh, in the know of some of these. And they do come around. I do see them when they come around. Uh, not so gory. I remember um, there was a, a stage play, but not quite a musical, with uh, Stuart Gordon came around, directed it with Jeffrey Combs for Edgar Allan Poe stage play. It was more of like a reading, like it was Jeffrey Combs reading Poe probably like with the environment around him and him dressed up like it, but I know Stuart Gordon directed it, like stage directed it, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
And I remember that was one of those things where Jeffrey Combs was here at Rock and Shock one year, and they were promoting it, but it was wasn't Rock and Shock related. And Stuart Gordon wasn't. I don't think he was at Rock and Shock, but he well, he was in town for the play. Yeah, and they just, they didn't afford couldn't afford him. I didn't know that he was even in town or whatever. Um, or he just didn't want to. He was busy with the state, you know, the show, and didn't want to kind of didn't have the time to sneak dude. away for a few. Yeah. But um, yeah, I remember that. That was that, I didn't see that, but I kind of wish we went to go see that for more reasons than one. Um, but I imagine like this reanimator, just like Evil Dead and like Toxic Avenger, you know. I think they, they, you know, they're like almost underground indie um, musical troops. Would you call them? What would you actually, you know, like? Yeah, they, that's what they usually call them troops. Troop, I believe. Yeah, so. But uh, I want to go see more of these because they're fun. So we'll have to keep an ear out. And if anybody listening is a part of one of these things, holler out because I uh, would love to come out and support and probably talk about it and talk about how great y'all are at it. Get some interviews. Get some interviews. Uh, we're widening up our ver- our horizons. Going and I love the- like I love the movies that they've decided you know to turn into musicals. I think they've made like great choices with the ones they have chosen to yeah. turn into them because like toxic avenger is fantastic and like they're all movies that i grew up that got me started on my love of horror because my mom loved all this cheesy shit right like the worse the movie was the more she enjoyed it so like i got a taste of all kinds of movies growing up with you know how well they were produced and made and Toxic Avenger is definitely up there on my list of stage plays I want to go see now. Yeah. You know, again, it's the love story. You know, with, with Malvin and I think Sarah, I forget what her name is off the yeah. top of my head. And uh, there's that love story, and it's more that outcasted thing, you know. Malvin was a, he was a nerd. He was a nerd that got shitted on as a nerd, and then he got deformed up and Got shitted on even more when he was deformed up, you know, and he's a hero, but he's a real hero. Still kicked ass. Shout out like Kaufman doing a big. Um, but yeah, you know, I always see Lloyd propping this up, uh, you know, giving them props, sharing sharing videos and clippets and pics from, from from them doing it. Yeah, I would totally love to go to New York to see it. Like if that is something I can make happen in reality, like I'm about it. And they do travel around a bit. Like I don't know what our I don't know what Boston's independent theater is. You know what I mean? Like I know we yeah, have nothing. Be- I don't, and I don't see nothing that cool coming to Rhode Island. Yeah, like and I know, like and something like that's not going to go to like the big, you know, the big big stages. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not going to. We're not going to provide tickets at PPAC to go and see. Three hundred like, bucks Yeah. But it's like, uh, but yeah, they come around. They do come around. Um, and there's these small, I've been to a few of them. There's these like really small, they're not theaters, but there's stages in them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can maybe put 30, 50 people in it standing and then perform it. You have like a performance there. Um, so it, it might even, you know, but I don't, that, that seems almost more like a spoken word situation than. Yeah. Like, or an amateur night type of deal. Yeah, something like that, but you know, you know, everybody's an amateur till they get to the next level. Very true. Um, and to sit and to go with that, like little shop of horrors, you know what I mean? 
the 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 flower, the Audrey two, was just a small flower, and then started eating people and got big, turned to a big flower. I absolutely love that movie. Like when I was real little and I first saw the black and white version, it scared me. But then mm-hmm. when Rick Moranis did the musical version, I absolutely fell in love with the character more of so course. Audrey than anything, just because you know how awesome is a singing plant from Mars or out of space. For sure, you know. It's, um, you got the, both the movies, you know what I mean? It's a very colorful, full, fun, cartoony thing. You know, I've seen some pictures of the actual, the stage play with Audrey 2 looks really cool. I mean, we've seen great Audrey 2 at conventions and stuff. Yeah, like Bill Diamond's Audrey 2. I have pictures with us at the convention, like, in her mouth and, it's it's just it's just phenomenal, you know what you can do with that, you know, uh, giant Crystal, puppet man. and Billy Billy Crystal. I Bill Diamond. Crystal baby. <laughs> if I was if I was dishing out Chris, uh, Crystal mess, dude, that'd be my nickname in the streets, Billy Crystal. I'd be the city slicker, <laughs> hands on over Crystal meth. Right. You know what I mean? And I, I, I got that dark crystal for you. I got that dark crystal. I'm moving right. orbs of smoke. Like, yeah, uh, seriously. Friends. We can turn that into a super dark movie I real quick. I'd smoke all my methamphetamines till I got very thin so I could rock all the clothing I ever wanted. To weird. I'd walk a fucking Willy Wonka suit. I'd be rocking that Willy Wonka suit. The Johnny Depp or the Willy, Gene Wilder one? Gene Wilder. You know what I mean? I could buy. I give Johnny Depp will be selling the, his suit pretty soon. The poor guy's in so much legal problems. Oh, I know. Uh, don't get me started on that situation. Why you personal? You got personal problem with me? Yeah, I just no, not even that. I just like if it's anything that has to do with the divorce. Like I just don't like Amber Heard. Yeah, she's troublesome. I remember, and you know, I'm sure Johnny Depp's troublesome as well. He's been spoiled for thirty years straight. Yeah, so you, it's going to be like Bill Cosby and everybody else. At some point, there's going to be some kind of bullshit that comes out about him. Because, you, God forbid, somebody actually you know, works their ass off and does what they need to to be successful. I'm sh- yeah, Johnny Depp, we'll see if... I don't know, it's weird. Johnny Depp's one of those super interesting... Because usually when you see a celebrity, you can get a good idea of what you think they would be like in real life. You know what I mean? And Johnny Depp is still one of those dudes that he could either be the nicest person you ever met in your life or be a complete fucking horror story, you know what I mean? Uh, oh, kind of like when I met John Cusack. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, John Cusack has more of a vibe of being more difficult, let's say. Like, I've never met the man, and I enjoy some of his films, but and it could strictly be the just the character of his presence that he's created, but he has a very, um, he does kind of have this unlikable vibe to him, but it just could be this sign. Uh, like we've talked about on all the shows, you know, well, because, because, he's, because he's so loved, you, you've got the people that are going to try and find something to dislike about him. I don't think John Cusack's, lo- you know, I hate to, I don't think he's as loved. He was loved back in the eighties, I think. And he's yeah. still, he's not at the peak. I'm not trying to bash him. Um, but yeah, he could just be a really good actor, and then his whole vibe of why is why you don't like him is because he has that weird, you get that weird vibe to him. But just he could be knee deep in the character. He's been doing the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he had one of those moments like um, 
Heath Ledger that, you know, he got so far into a dark role that he never came back out of it. I heard he got too far in a dark uh, Olsen twin. He couldn't <laughs> get out of it. That's what I heard. That's just scary to think about in general. I wouldn't want to be anywhere near those girls. Could you imagine waking up out of a half half dead coma and those fucking like they're like uh they're like fucking like birds, like 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 um, like vultures without the like without the feathers, and they're just like gawking all over, like looking down at you. Um, one of them was there. Supposedly, one of them was there when he took the big trip. They often say that the Dark Knights would put him over, but I don't think that's so. I think he did a movie called Candy, Daddy. I think he did right before the Dark Knight, which was about heroin. Uh, yeah, because he was, I think he was doing that and he was doing the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus at the same time. Well, he did it, he, they, I know that that was a long production, so he could have been, I know that he never finished that. that yeah, no, uh, they brought it, they actually brought in Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp and like a couple other people, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, it's funny because people always said that, oh, Dark Knight, he was so dark in the Dark Knight, that's what killed him. Uh, that's not the case. That candy movie is what killed him, if anything, because he seemed like one of the... He was a super talented actor, and I liked him. He, he actually... Uh, Ledger actually seemed like one of those dudes that would have been a good guy in real life. He seemed down yeah. to earth, you know? Like, he'd be like... He seemed like a decent dude. I mean, uh, one of my favorite movies with him was 10 Things I Hate About You. What's funny mm-hmm. is I actually enjoy that film, too, and it's a chick flick. Yeah, Where and I don't normally get into chick flicks, but I love that movie. And, like, the chemistry between him and Julia Stiles, even though they were, like, really supposed to hate one another. Right. At first, you know, you could just see that they really didn't hate them, so they yeah. hate one another. It's true. It's true, but, yeah, that candy, if anybody, that, that candy, I think, I think him getting into, I think he was one of those actors that kind of dove in. Um, it's more of an old school in, way of thinking. Head first. Yeah, I think that he kind of developed, I think that he maybe didn't shoot heroin, but I know that, like, pain pills was his deal, and pain yeah. pills and heroin aren't, aren't that far off from each other, so he probably just kind of got I think uh, he was sick. I think he was vibe-wise, you know what I mean? Yep. Vibe-wise, you know, like, high-wise, they're kind of the, you know, they're, the same they're feeling. Not, not off type drug, you know what I mean? Not, not yeah. a energetic, running around cocaine type deal, you know what I mean? Or meth type deal. Um, but, um, so I think he just kind of got into that and maybe the follow up of the dark Knight maybe he did, he might, maybe he kept it dark. Maybe the people, maybe he just had what people call a drug addiction. You know, that stuff happens all the time. And you, we're not going to talk about that. You know what I mean? That got to him, you know? Yeah. I got kind of safe face and, you know, let people remember him the way that they want to remember him, not as like a junkie or a druggie or something. But I remember there was weird, there was weird Olsen twenty things going on around that time. No, they're kind of they're kind of weird. So I don't know. I think the witches. I think they're like Illuminati witches. That's all. There's something. I mean, I think the only one that's still acting right now is Elizabeth, and she. Well, they don't have to act. Those, if if anything they've ever said about what Hollywood does to kids is real, those those Olsen twins are fucking. It explains a lot. Titanus. They were like Titanus. Isn't one of them them married to a a producer or a director or something that's like 80 years old? One of them's married to the devil himself, I think. (laughs) Fucking Satanus. They they, they were married. They they, 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 they honeymooned in hell. Right. 
uh, he got, he got, he's legend got his bad pain pills from the devil, actually. I wouldn't doubt it. The devil that puts too much fucking, uh, fentanyl. <laughs> um, so, you know, <laughs> little yeah, shop yeah. Aura's kid, you know what I mean? Little shop. Little I, love shop. Our, I love our little tang- tangents as we talk about uh, about things. Rest in peace, Heath Ledger. Magnificent. Yeah, I think he. I think he would have been up there for the A list actors now if he was still alive. If Heath Ledger, if Heath Ledger never died. He would be, he would definitely be winning Academy Awards. He would be in the same category as, uh, well, I mean, the the category that he was in pretty much, because he was, he was being nominated. So like he would just be, and he was more, you know, he was more. I mean, didn't he win a posthumous award anyways? He won for the Dark Knight, yeah. Yeah. But uh, But, but it would have been nice to see what his career how his career would have expanded if he were still here now. Yeah, he wanted to have, uh, if he was alive, I don't think he would have won for the Dark Knight. I think that uh, he, I want to say that he had, he did something that upset the Academy supposedly like when, I heard a rumor that when he was supposed to be, when he was nominated for Brokeback Mountain, that when they when the picture went to him, when the camera went to him at the Academy Awards for his nomination, he spit in his hand, like in the joke of how he like because in the movie he has sex with um what's his name with Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal, and I get he probably spits in his hand to put on his cock. Yeah. So I think he made a joke about spitting on his hand like like that. I made that that boring. He was like really going to spit in his hand and then shake theirs. Well, just like the it's a weird place for that joke. Yeah, Hollywood. Keep in mind, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know, but like it go, it's going into, <laughs> with the movie. So, like, if you watch the movie, you knew it happened in the movie. So, why the hell wouldn't he do it right now? Like, Hollywood takes them. They th- they think they're too serious, though. They think you should never, you should not. Our award show is way too classy for you to even talk about something like. Yeah. That. That's how, that, then, meanwhile, there. behind the the curtain, they're doing like ten times worse things. Yeah. Seriously. Unreal. Can't stand people. <laughs> it's true. That is true. But um, yeah, Heath Ledger would be interesting. Where he he would be, I think he'd be a dude. He'd be definitely. Um, it kind of makes you wonder if Tom if Tom Hardy would have got as big as he got because they would have been going after the same roles. You know, the same way with Johnny Depp. The thing which I always say with Johnny Depp is interesting. It's a little conspiracy theory I have. Don't go too deep into it, but you take River Phoenix, a dude that died at Johnny Club's, uh, Johnny Depp's club because they didn't call an ambulance. They just put him in the street. Yeah. Um, now, if, if River Phoenix was still alive, Johnny Depp would have lost all, like, all his roles to him because he was arguably a better-looking dude and a better, more talented than I like Depp. But, like, he was, there's almost, and I don't say, I don't think Depp killed him, but I do think that Depp, I do think that, that you know, he had more to benefit from, from River Phoenix being dead than he did from him being alive. We'll say that. Um, and then you can gather whatever anybody would want to gather from that. But I don't think it's, I don't think it'd kill him. 
But who knows? They're, they're all drugged out. Fucking all of them are yeah, on drugs. Know, being wild. Yeah. Drugs make your mind fucking jealous and go haywire and fucking would put you in a situation where, like, if you could have somebody that, if you could hook somebody up with a bad dose to no longer have them in the picture, um, it almost makes you wonder if a certain person would allow that to happen, you know? I, we we the best segues is how we talk about Johnny Depp killing River Phoenix when we're supposed to talk about horror musicals. Yeah, musicals. Well, they're both very musical individuals, and that is a horror story in itself. Yeah, seriously. You know, JD, RP, musicians, <laughs> rest in peace, kid. Hakeem Phoenix, your boy. Well, God, Joaquin Phoenix is a, oh, he's another one that's out there. He, I believe, he was there the night that his brother died on the street. I'm pretty sure yeah. him and his sister were there with him, and they were even younger than he was. Like, what the hell? At that age, I know he feels like eight years old. Eight years old the club. That's how wild that family is. Yeah, you know what I mean. Crazy. Well, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, I think Drew. Um, Drew Barrymore, I think even she was hanging out at that place when she was at like eight years old. You know, she's like filming ET and she's, you know, hanging out at the bars and stuff, doing all, you know, blowing rails with all the people at the club. It's a weird, it's definitely a weird environment. And yeah, there's like a, because there's so many questionable things. And you'll see pictures with like kids, like young. You know, like the Feldmans and shit, like Feldman and Haim and all that. You know, the kids of that caliber where they're like just, they're like barely 18, but you'd see them at the clubs, like VIP and stuff. And when you're a celebrity VIP, dude, you get, they'll do whatever the fuck you want. Like if you want drugs, alcohol, like they weren't able to drink, but I'm sure they got all the drugs and alcohol they could fucking want. You know exactly. what I mean? Because of and, the name. They are probably running through uh, ladies and gentlemen, whatever they prefer. Uh, more than you could even imagine, you know what I mean? Um, excess, they call it excess. Yeah, it, it, you know, you're, you're too young to realize that, hey, maybe I should uh, calm down a little bit. And you're, you're just enjoying the moment and everything that's being handed to you or given to you. Well, it's one of those things where it's just, it's, it's, you know, you give every, if you, it's dangerous, if you have someone that never, never had anything, you know what I mean? And then you start, and the world gives them everything they ever want. That's dangerous. That's one of the most yeah. dangerous things that could happen. Because that's when people's egos and their head explodes, and they're fucking, they lose control of everything because they can't handle the, the rise. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, the, the fucking stress and everything of the situation makes them go a little nutty. It's true. Uh, Phantom of the Opera. Speaking of opera, you put, you brought that up. I think what, like forty minutes ago. Yep. We'll, we'll wrap back around to that. Um, classic, you know. Phantom of the Opera is a classic horror tale. You know what I mean? Um, One that Robert England has actually been a part of as well. Yeah, yeah. Robert England is a part of it. Um, there's the notorious one from way back in the day, the black and white one. Maybe some of like the most notorious imagery of the mask coming off and him doing the. <gasps> The 1925, that's got to be the 1925 version that was based, that Andrew Lloyd Webber based the musical off of originally. Ah, that's what I like to hear. Research. I love it. You know, more than I do. See, that, that'd be cool. That one I feel like, like there's certain musicals I feel like are slow burns. 
like Phantom of the Opera, slow burn, you know what yeah. I mean? Les Mis is a slow burn. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, King Kong, I bet's kind of even a slow burn to go back to some of the previous ones. Carrie, I bet Carrie's even kind of a slow burn, you know? I don't, like, I don't even know if I would really even want to waste my time to see Carrie as a musical. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of, like, I'm trying to picture what, I would love to get my hands on a sound, a copy of the soundtrack from the stage play. Yeah, it's probably on YouTube. Just to, I mean, yeah, just to get an idea of what the vibe everybody the vibe was, what everybody hated about it, and why it wasn't successful. I've got a few musicals on Rhino from back in the day. I don't have that one, unfortunately, but I'm sure it's attainable. Now I know something else that's attainable is the Human Centipede one that you brought up. Yeah, I, that's... <laughs> that's definitely an underground I, one. I just think that's hysterical. Like, seriously. Like, that scene was disturbing on screen. I want to know how long they... Because uh, your musicals are, what, like an hour and a half, two hour, maybe three hour? Yeah, or they're, all about, they're, all about two, they're all about two acts long. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's two Wait. acts, you got it, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's usually about an hour and a half, maybe an hour and 45 tops. Like an actor... I no, thought, for like the whole thing from beginning to end. Really, yeah. So, like, in the sense of that, like, I don't even know how you would fucking with limited the human centipede to a stage performance. You obviously have the scientifics and the putting them together and all that shit. But like, I almost feel like that would be a very short musical. Well, I guess the musical adds to it because now you're taking a concept and you're just. You're creating songs to it. So you can take the most basic, simplest, um, you know, idea and then just build songs around it and fill it out to whatever length it needs to be. Well, there's parts of it, different parts of the musicals on YouTube. So, yeah, I didn't even realize this movie had come out this long ago, but um, (laughs) the article is from Entertainment Weekly. And it's like the human centipede really is the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, boy. Um, The very extreme 2010 horror film, which features a demented scientist stitching people together to form a human centipede. The gift is a diet of poop. For public at large, however, um, there's a video game. Yeah. A toy. A sock monkey. And the musical. Songs. Uh, retooling of the director Tom Six's Macabre movie that just hit YouTube. It's um, a work of Emerson College's Chocolate Cake City comedy troupe. Who is it? Emerson? Yeah. Interesting. They don't own any rights to the story, characters, ideas, or anything associated, but they were just some nerds who wanted to make a musical. That's what the article says. So... They're like, this shouldn't stop you from enjoying such lyrics as, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce a horrifying tale that will make you hold on to your caboose. We could probably contact them. The, the whole fucking idea of the human centipede is so deranged and fucking weird, dude. The I want to know what he was actually on when he came up with the concept for this film. And I want to know what they were on when they came up for, with the concept of turning it into a musical. 
they were on the idea of capitalizing off of the fame <laughs> of the movie. Um, but they were probably, I, that dude, Bruce Pride, is like, what is the grossest, like, let me think, of, let me try and think of the worst situation anybody could ever wake up to. Right. They were like, waking up, you know, having, somebody was probably like, eating shit. Eating shit would be the worst thing I could imagine. Like, I couldn't even look at a Reese's, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup commercial after watching that movie. <laughs> it's like horrifying. And then it's just like, yeah, dude, it's wild. You know, then you have the, the mad scientist. Who would do it? The mad scientist would do it. And then you get into it. And it's just like, the shit, you shit into the, it's just fucking, it's, it's, it's too disturbing much. on so many levels. <laughs> it really is. Like, I remember the movie, when I first watched the first movie, and I, I'll be honest, I don't think I ever watched two or three. Um, I haven't seen it either, either of those either. I've only seen the first one. That was enough for me. And the first one I remember was like, wow, this is really fucked up. Because everybody was talking about, you got to see this movie. And um, it is. It's weird and fucked up. And it was, the first one's like super low budget. Um, but the thing I always remember about this one is that, like, I watched this, and, like, three months later, I watched a Serbian film, which people are saying it was really fucked up, too. A Serbian film was uh, high on and fucked up. I didn't even realize. I didn't even know anything about the Serbian film until all that stuff went down with us when um, we first started the show. And, you know, the good old days. pirating the YouTube video. Yeah, the good old days. Yeah. How can we forget them? <laughs> I love it. Like when you get told that, oh, that's when you know you made it. You got haters. <laughs> that is true. You almost want to like go there in the middle of the night and sew someone's fucking asshole to the mouth. But they kind of do all the shit they. Do. Well, some of them are assholes that should just have their mouth, you know, sewn so, shut. Their mouth is an asshole. Well, did I just say that? <laughs> it's all right though. I don't hold it against you. It's like that saying, if I wanted to hear from an asshole, I'd fart type of deal. But for them, usually being an asshole is just, like you said, them opening their mouth. Anything that comes out, verbal diarrhea. I'd fart. Have you ever heard the term, <laughs> if I wanted any shit out of you, I'd scrape my zipper? No, I've never heard that one. Oh, my, my, my old man used to say that fucking all the time. Yeah, my dad used to say, if I wanted to hear from an asshole, I'd fart. <laughs> That's one of their deals. The we dad, should, the dad puns. If anybody listens to the show, comment on the page which one do you think's better, a better dad pun. If I wanted to, hear, was it? If I wanted to hear shit out of you, I'd fart. If I wanted to hear from an asshole, I'd if fart. I wanted, to, if I wanted to hear from an asshole, I'd fart. And the, or if I wanted, if I wanted any shit out of you, I'd scrape my zipper. <laughs> which is like. A horrifying way of telling somebody who just fucked him in the ass is what, what, what I'm... Which, if they haven't figured out, then that, who's the joke on if you don't know you just got fucked in the ass? Is the joke on you or the joke right. on the person with the small dick? But we'll see how that goes. And Nosferatu, King of the Vampires, the first ever vampire. Make, you know, they, 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 they left the look of this vampire to go for a more handsome, regular look, which I always thought was a bad vibe. It's more tricking, but the look of Nosferatu was horrifying. Um, there's been a few times where they brought back that kind of vibe. You know, Salem's Lot has that vibe where that vampire is fucking horrifying looking. Um, you know, you look at... Uh, even like Nosferatu a- wasn't even a musical in this country. 
it was German, right? Predominantly overseas, yeah. The um, uh, what was that? It received its world premiere in this in this country in the Madison Theater in Peoria, Illinois, in '94, and then it was followed by a production at the Hippodrome in Eastbourne, England. After, and then it received its continental European premiere in Budapest in October 2007. It was a it was a, a rock opera musical. Oh my god! And it had like a lot of people that were like in Les Mis, Phantom of the Opera, like the ones that were like predominant in those musicals when they were running. I'm, I'm actually gonna go out on a limb and say, if I was doing a Nosferatu, maybe I'd do a rock rock opera because you would want Nosferatu would be one of the most rock and roll characters of all time. He's a loner. He goes, he's fucking paid. He doesn't go out in the fucking daytime. He's up all night um, killing people, drinking chicks' bloods and for their and taking their life away just so he can thirst. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, it's like groupies. It's almost like group, like a groupie situation. Um, you, could, and it, you could definitely do a nice take on Almost like if uh, like like an Ozzy Osbourne type character, but a vampire. You know what I mean? Yeah, which would be kind of cool. I could see, I could catch that vibe. I know that Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, the author, just they just did a TV series called Nosferatu. It's not spelt the same, but I think yeah, it's a lot of it. Fun. A lot of it was filmed here near in uh, around my neighborhood. Oh, really? Yeah, they did a lot of scenes. Um, Driving around West Warwick wasn't fun at that time because they had all kinds of roads that are like main roads to cut across town where you don't have to worry about dealing with traffic all shut off because that's where they were filming. Mm. But they canceled it after, I think they canceled it after the first season, even though they brought it back for a second, they weren't going to do anything else after that. Interesting. I've never even watched it. I haven't either, but I, I read... I read Joe Hill's Heart Shaped Box. Our, our good pal James Lamont recommended it to me. And I liked that. I thought that was well done. So he's a good writer. Uh, I just I haven't cracked into any of his other books, but I will in the future. Um, uh, the show he did, the show that he did for HBO, The Outsider, was pretty dope. Was that him too? Yeah. He did that Lock and Key show too that people loved. Yeah, he's good. He's he's you know he's a talent. He's it's good that he he's has. Definitely, some he's definitely like following that. in his father's footsteps, and I'm curious to see what he he puts out and if it's as well received as his father's work. Those are some big shoes to fill, you know. Very big shoe. I was going to say, I, I can't <laughs> think of a bigger. I can't think of a bigger. I mean, they're out there, of course, but you have there's certain heavyweight living heavyweights, and he's he's in it. As far as like. He's got to be top five, if you know, maybe top ten, if not top five, most famous living writers. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And like he's, I've, I've been a Stephen King fan, God, since I was, I think I was seven when I got my first Stephen King book. Was Stephen King so huge that you'll meet someone who's a Stephen King, gigantic Stephen King fan that's never, never even read a Stephen King book? No, they just seen you know, all. They just think that you know the movies are all there is to it. What they you know fail to realize is that uh, a lot of those wouldn't even be around if it wasn't for the fact that you know he had wrote the books first. 
Stephen King's kind of become a weird hipster vibe where everybody that wants to say they're a horror fan just goes, oh, I, read, I love Stephen King, though. I read all the Stephen King books. This one's my favorite. And it's funny because, like, you'll always throw a lame, they'll throw a lame book in there that's shitty. And I think, oh, I do think that horror is one of the most exploited genres where you got some, there's people that they know that, they know that the, the community is welcoming, accepting, and everybody wants to belong to something. So even if they don't like this, the content, they like the, the fact of belonging to something. I think the comic book kind of world is the same thing. A convention and stuff like that, superhero movies and stuff. I think the sense of belonging is more important and, and, and is what they like more than the actual content, which who's to say that's wrong? Not back, you know, who's to say who's wrong? If, if you know what I mean, at least they're horror fans. But I remember go, just going to filmmakers, um, you go to a filmmaker's house and they got, they don't own any movies. I always thought that was weird. Cause like, don't you love movies? Like, isn't that why you make movies? Like what's going on? And I think it's the same deal with like the horror thing. You know what I mean? I think the people, Certain people that would, you know, get into film just for other reasons that don't exactly love them. There's, there's horror fans that are the same way, loosely say horror fans that are the same yeah. way that they don't exactly, they don't exactly love it, but they love the fact of the community. You know what I mean? But uh, it's, a, it's an interesting take. Yeah, we'll get, we'll talk. Let's talk about <laughs> musicals. <laughs> let's talk about. Um, I think we pretty much went through the entire list of all the. Oh, that's why we. That's why we went. We, we're we're that's ending. Why we're that's it. why we got into that. Yeah, but the you know the musical and the horror thing, you know, I think it'll always be because there's always tragedy within horror. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, there's always some element of it, whether it's the the, the actual killer, or the slasher themselves, who had a terrible upbringing, whether it be Jason, you know, dying at the camp because nobody was listening, paying nobody attention. Was paying attention. They were too busy having sex. Yeah, you know what I mean, uh, or whatever it is. You know, there's a lot of Leatherface, all of them. You know what I mean? They all have kind of tragic tales to them. You know, the way they got there. Even Freddy Krueger, man. Freddy Krueger was a piece of shit pedophile. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I bet that he was fucking. Somebody did something to him when he was a kid that made him that way. You know what I mean? I'm sure. So, like, it's he's a victim himself, you know. There's uh, that's usually those... the reason. That's usually the reason why people do what they do because they had some kind of trauma as a child that right. you know made them go on that same path. Unfortunately, right? It's the truth. It's one of those true things that are true sometimes. You know. Yep. As long as long as there's tragedy in the story, there's got to be there's got to be that balance. Unfortunately, yeah. we're very good. There's bad. So in the musical, you all, you know, the music, music, musicals for all the good. There's bad. Very emotional, yeah. Musical, musicals. There's a lot of emotion in the music. So that's why I think the, the, the why do you think horror? Why do you think horror and musicals go together so well, Mel? I think with a horror movie, depending on you know the type of horror movie, the music it, it just enhances. The scare factor, you know, because it sets the mood. It either, it either makes it darker or, you know, or alerts you to the fact that something's going to happen and real soon. <laughs> so, like, like they kind of go hand in hand with setting the ambiance of the movie or the or the play or whatever it is. I'm with that. 
I support that. <laughs> I support that. So I, I did. Did you have any other musicals in mind? I think we kind of cruised through our list. This is a part two or so. The ones, the ones that are like legit going to be made into stage plays. Like, never mind if I, if there's something that I would like to see, like turned into a, a stage. A stage. Yeah. Well. Movie. You don't got you, you got you got something that, that's never been that you would like to see. Come on, could you picture Nightmare on Elm Street as a musical with Freddie singing? Freddie singing, or you know, because he's gotten so comedic, anyways. But you know, like the the scene where you know Johnny Depp's character starts oozing blood out of the bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you that's imagine them trying to doing that as a, on um? on a stage or even the scene with the spinning room where Tina is being, you know, that she's dragged out of the bed and he pulls her up the wall and across the ceiling and it's a spinning room Mm. to make it look like it has that effect. I'd kind of like to see, I'd like to see how they would adapt that to a stage performance. That would be, uh, I mean, depending on the budget, that would probably just be a pretty much kind of the same spinning set that they use for the movie. Um, I think the blood, like that bed scene would have to be almost like, uh, like I'm picturing like red, like cloth, like see-through veal type cloth that's just red, that just kind of, almost like when the clown pulls all that string out of his sleeve. Yeah. Almost something like that for the blood. Yeah, because then otherwise it's going to look like a basketball game where you got people coming out with mops to... Get yeah, the sweat exactly. <laughs> It'd be like a like Fago, like ICP throwing Fago all over the place. Yeah, you got Leatherface. There could also be a Texas Chainsaw Massacre musical because it's a tragic tale of a un- misunderstood dude who yep. doesn't know what he wants to be. You know what I mean? It's kind of it would be it would be a big deal right now. I think it would work right now. It's he's because that's kind of Leatherface's deal is he doesn't he's so he doesn't know he has no identity. You know what I mean? That's why he wears yep. the faces. And, and and that's why I said, like and too and like you know we had Evil Dad, Shining, Toxic Avenger, mm. Frankenhooker is Reanimator. Like Frankenhooker, I think would be a perfect musical to be made. I mean, how much worse could it be? They made they made Repo the Genetic Opera. Like that's true. If you can that's make that into movie. into a movie, you can make Frankenhooker into a stage play. I think that that, and I think Frankenhooker is better. Oh, I agree completely on all on all fronts on that. I mean, I'm sure other people would be like, "You guys are crazy." Repo is fantastic. No, the fuck, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not. I don't. It's. I think it's. A, I think people are crazy, and they're putting way too much into it. Like, it's not fantastic. It's got a fantastic cast, but it's. It lacks. I, I, I can't even put my finger on exactly what makes me despise it so much, but I do. <laughs> it's trouble. It's big trouble. It's big, bad trouble. And we're not talking about in Little China. No, that'd be nice. That I'd like to see that. Realistically, <laughs> that'd be kind of an interesting one. You really just need... Um, you could do that, realistically. You could do that. You know, I, I'm picturing... The truck in that street where the where that big fight breaks out in the, for the first time when they come come to the earth, like and it's stuck. I could picture that, like on on a stage, you know, all the stuff when they go into the you know the the underground stuff. That could be good. 
the thing, the thing could also be. I was actually, I was actually just thinking that too as we started talking about that. Because you got to issue a, a small cast, small locations, um, Prince of Darkness to keep with the Carpenter thing. Prince of Darkness could be an interesting one. Oh, uh, what's that one he did? Vampires. Vampires. Vampires could be interesting. James Woods to get James Woods back. Oh, from dusk till dawn, the musical. That'd be. Would it be nudity? Would there be uh, strippers? You'd have to. That's like one of the most well-known scenes. You know, that's one of the you know Selma Hyatt coming out with that big ass fucking. My God, Selma Hyatt. Selma Hyatt never ages, and she is phenomenal. Oh my God, we watched a movie with her the other night, and like, like she's fucking hot. Like, yeah. If you had the nudity and you had the splat, the splatter, the splatter sheet in the front row, so people didn't ruin their clothes, and it was that it was that type of play. From and if, Selma Hayek, if it was Selma Hayek on stage, you're gonna need that sheet. You're gonna need that sheet on the front row for a whole different reason. I feel like if Selma Hayek was involved, you wouldn't get you wouldn't get that grittiness that would make it great. You it wouldn't. You know what I mean? I think she's too big of a star. Like for it to work. You would need, of course, Rodriguez is okay, um, but it would almost need to, it would be something small, indie. Like I don't know as much as I know about theater, unfortunately, as much as I should know. Like I, I there's got to be underground theater groups of that where they just do whatever they want to do, you know, whether it's politically incorrect or whatever it is. There's nobody. Oh, there. I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, there's got to be like units of people that just do whatever they want to do. And like I can see them pulling off something like that with the nudity, um, violence, you know, the blood and guts. Um, that, and, but the, the fantastic thing about From Dusk Till Dawn and whatnot is that like there's a fantastic balance of everything. Yeah, you know, there's not one thing that's done more so than another. So like everything meshes well. So like right. I think that would be an easier one to see turned into a musical. I think so. And the whole thing is done inside the bar predominantly, so it's not like you got to go crazy with building sets. You get an RV, you get a hotel, an RV, and a bar. Yeah. You got those big reveals. The tricky part would be like the endings with the big reveals, like how the ending, they blow out, you know, they go back into the desert during the daytime, and they have that pullback shot of, like, the pyramid behind the... Behind bar. it with all the missing truckers, yeah, uh, vehicles, and whatnot. Yeah, that, I that was that a... Pullback, that's, yeah. I, yeah, that's the best shot ever, other than when in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, when they zoom out from the junkyard scene with the cars. Yeah. And, you know, it goes into that. You just see, like, the big the round area and then all the cars sprinkled inside. Yeah, universe. Dream world universe. Yep. We brought in the video game. This, 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 these two episodes are a lot like the the bits of horror video game episode, I feel, where we talked a lot about, like, what if Nightmare on Elm Street was a video game? Yeah. The dream world, that'd be devastating. Yeah, that would be really cool. I'm trying to think of any other horror. Nightmare on Elm Street on a VR video game. Yeah, that'd be horrifying. You'd be dying in real life. That could be like a, that could realistically be a sequel in the same way that they kind of left the, left the format of child's play. They could do an interesting nightmare in Elm Street of virtual reality where it's all these kids that are obsessed with it like they are now. And there's this new game that comes out called like 
the nightmare or you know what I mean? Where you get, you, you know, you, you go in this and you get a deal in this dream world and, um, you know, there's like this weird add on that's Freddy that gets downloaded. You know what I mean? And now these, oh, you know, like the weird add on where you, where you can add the Terminator and whatnot. Exactly. And exactly. And now you've got these kids that stay up for like fucking 40 hours playing video games that like, they, they drift and they don't realize if they're dreaming or in the video game. So you have like that element to it. Yeah. And really, and much like the first nightmare, you really just need Freddy to make contact with one. And then he brought the other, the kid would bring his friends into it. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's almost like, and you could do that with a group, like a group, like those video group things. Like we, we're, we're writing the script for him right now where like the dude, they'll be like, they'll start a group gameplay where they have like 10 of their friends come and play like Call of Duty together. Oh, but that movie Stay Alive. Huh? That movie Stay Alive. Oh, is that how it is? It, that's exactly what it is. The, the movie oh, really? Stay Alive is about a video game that they're all in a in a they're they're all chilling at some one of the one of the characters' homes, mm. all playing this video game, and like they recite an incantation at the beginning of it, and then they all become the characters in the games. And it kind of has like a, a a House of the Dead. Is LaBeouf in this? Shia LaBeouf or Frankie Muniz in this movie? Frankie Muniz is in it. Okay, this is from like two thousand, early two thousand. Early two thousand, yeah. What was it's it called? Stay awake. It's called Stay Alive. It's basically it's like it's it's supposed to be about Elizabeth Bathory, the the first supposed known vampire. Oh, I thought it was about Frankie Muniz trying to stay alive in Hollywood. Yeah, because I think that was like one of his only. Adults, movie, dude. Frankie Muniz looks so weird as an adult that I feel bad for him. That's all I'm gonna say about Frankie Muniz, dude. He like, he gets all my love. I won't bash him. He gets all my love. The poor dude. He's fucking. Right? I don't know what his situation is, but you got all our love, baby. Shock treatment with Bella Maddie. Send our love to Frankie Muniz. <laughs> Frankie Muniz is like fucking. Fucking the dude from Love Boat. Fucking the, who's the... Tattoo? Yeah, Tattoo. He's like Tattoo, but like... But less significant? He's got a couple more feet on him, yeah. The, uh... And what I mean by feet, life beating him up. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean by feet on him. Poor Frankie Muniz, though, dude. That he, he, he's a gentleman that had that really weird, trouble. unique look. Fell out of the, yeah, fell out of the trouble tree and hit every branch on the way down. What's funny is I don't know if he was. What, no, the th- I don't even know if he was a troubled dude. I think that he just had such a unique look that when he started to grow out of being a kid into a young adult, the the it look wasn't cute anymore. Yeah, like the look just wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't what it was. You know what I mean? Yep. What was that? Yeah, because it's like middle? his features. Yeah, because like his features, like he, an adult as an adult, like even in Stay Alive, I could still picture. The Malcolm in the Middle character. Yeah, he was looking... He probably wanted to look more like a Tom Cruise, and he ended up looking more like a Rocky Dennis. <laughs> some, like, mask-type situation. Yeah. But we got nothing but love for Frankie Muniz. Uh, reach out, brother. Let's do it. Let's do lunch. Let's do it big. He kind of reminds um, me of Aaron Paul from Bad, um, Breaking Bad. Well, uh, yeah, Aaron Paul, if Aaron Paul looked like, if Aaron Paul was a kid and looked like Aaron Paul when he grew up, it wouldn't be good for him. Like, when Aaron Paul is an is an old ancient man, 
And I'll give him credit. He's a good-looking dude now, but when he's in, you know, look at me bashing people in their looks. What the fuck? Uh, I got to stop. I know. We're turning into those people we hated. Must be getting fucking late or something. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Munez just had that look, dude. It was a great look as a kid, but you knew it was going to catch up with him. Other people have had that look, too. I I thought Elijah Wood was going to have that look, but he pulled it off, you know what I mean? Because he had that weird... He's got a baby face. Dude, Culkin, Macaulay Culkin has it, too, where... But I think Macaulay Culkin, uh, now I, don't know, like what, I don't know what his regular activities are, but. No, he's a straight up junkie look to him. Uh, he looks like, uh, he's getting ready for the Nosferatu play, actually. Yeah, maybe. He's gonna be doing the musical of Nosferatu. Yeah, no. He's been doing the documentary. They've been making the documentary 2021 Nosferatu starring Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Gotta bring him back somehow, right? I think he so, signed up to, he's gonna be on American Horror Story this year. He, he look, yeah, he's an American Horror Story. He is American Horror Story. Story. <laughs> Fucking, Macaulay Culkin looks into the mirror and t- changed his name to McCurry Sulkin. Because he was fucking sulking. He was so sad, dude. He goes, what happened to me? When he slaps his face with the oh no. Like Home Alone, dude. He's doing it for different reasons nowadays. Right. <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> he's looking at his bank statements. He's doing that. He's doing he's doing the oh no face and the reflection of his bank statements on the ATM. <laughs> no, Macaulay Culkin's rich as fuck still, dude. Uh, yeah, or his parents are. We'll see I how that he goes. He got married, and they just they just had a baby within like recently. I think within like the last year or so. We send our love to Macaulay because I don't think life was good to him on the on the downswing. But he seems yeah, like he's probably I also think, you know, I, I, I he's another right. one that, you know, was surrounded by, you know, like Michael Jackson and, you know, kids being taken advantage of in the industry. Well, he was one of the, he was down with MJ and he was one of the people that came out and said that MJ never laid a hand on him. Yeah, is, how much did he get paid off to say he didn't do it? Well, there's two ways you can look at that. That's a whole say, conspiracy show. <laughs> yeah, you can say he's. it'd be smart on MJ. If MJ was a demon that people claim to be, it'd be smart for him not to fuck certain kids, like the popular ones that would talk about it. Yeah. Um, but then on the flip side, it's like, you know, maybe, you know, it's very, you know, Michael Jackson was a weird. See, I'm not fully sold on what happened. I, you know, he was super weird. And I know that when people are weird, dude, it's easy to throw that, throw something on them like that. Yeah. And I also think, I don't know, I think there, you know, there was, uh, I don't know. I don't know, I, I can't quite put my, you know, on it. for all the hard times we give out, I can't, I can't demonize somebody on a real subject unless I, we, the proof is right there, you know what I mean? Yeah. For and us you, to you see. Gotta feel, you just got to feel bad because, you know. Corey Feldman and all that around that whole thing, you know, they had their issues with all that coming up in the industry, so. Yeah, Feldman's another dude that said MJ was cool with him and never tried anything. Other people did, but not MJ, not Michael. Yeah. He would never do something like that. No, never. He idolized him. It's a weird vibe, yeah, like, the Michael, because he never had his youth, that's why he was so weird, supposedly, he was just like, his dad beat him into fucking a superstar and didn't let him have a childhood. Literally, all of them. Yeah, so, like, when he got rich and famous, he tried to go back and have a childhood, that was his whole, like, weird story, that's why he had the fucking Neverland Ranch and the monkey bubbles and... Yeah. 
hung out with all these kids. All the kids hanging out, sleeping over. Yeah, and it's like, is it a weird psychological thing where, like, he goes, I never had a childhood, and he thought that maybe... The vicariously through the other actual kids that have... Yeah, it's wacky. It's wacko. It's wacko, jacko. Wacko, jacko for a reason. But who's to say that in his mind he didn't think that if he... I don't know. If he hung out with kids for a little bit that he would feel like he'd be able to have his youth and then graduate to like mentally graduate to the next step of life. You know what I mean? Like because he never had a kid, never had a childhood. If he had, if he went and almost lived the life of a child, like for the time frame that a kid would be hanging with those kids, then maybe he would be able to feel like, Oh, well, I did have a childhood. I had it when I was fucking 50, but I still had that. Yeah, I still did it, yeah. You know what I mean? In in, in, in an ultimate, in an ultimate way of trying to find himself in a way, you know what I mean? Like trying to catch up with where he thinks he should be in life. Yeah. Spiritually and mentally, because he's achieved everything he wanted financially and fame-wise in life. You know what I mean? You know, Joe Joe beat the black off of him, literally. Literally. MJ is a good place to end on with our musical horror because uh, that turned into a horror story. At the yeah, end. and you have Thriller, of course. Yep, it's one of the greatest of all. One of the greatest videos ever. The most greatest, the most greatest of all time. Mark Christopher Lawrence, um, one of our good pals of our of, of Boombastic Media, was just on the Boombastic cast. Um, and he was telling us a nice story about him, and he agreed. He said, "You know, Michael, Michael Jackson, the grass thriller, greatest video ever made." Yep, and, I used to have the three D Viewmaster uh, reel oh, really? of that video. Really? I actually might still have them. They might be in storage. Oh, that'd be great. My dad saved everything, so I had I had three D Viewmaster reels of that. I have I have the VHS of the making of Thriller. That's, that's kind of cool, too, though. That's as deep dive as I get for MJ. I almost bought... There was an action figure that I seen at a flea market. Oh, I loved Michael Jackson growing up. I had earrings that looked like his glove. The, the red jacket with all the zippers all over it. I, I was... To, a, my I mom, was every a, every Friday, my mom would bring me home a pack of Michael Jackson trading cards because she worked... She worked right, for those. So on Friday mornings, she'd come home with a pack of those cards for me religiously yeah. every week. Good or bad, she always came home with a pack of cards for me. Word up. I like that. Yeah, I, when I was a kid, when I was a young, young kid, uh, sticker collecting was something that was in my thing. My aunt Love did it, so she got me doing it. So I had, like, the, a book of just all these 80s stickers, and I wish I had it, dude, to this day. I, I, still have the, I even still have my sticker book. Like, I, when I say my dad saved everything that we had as kids, he saved everything. That's awesome. Like, those, those little plastic necklaces that you used to be able to hook like charms onto. Yeah, yeah. I found one. I found one of those digging through crap one day, and I'm like, wow! I used to wear this thing, and like the jelly bracelets that I used to wear all up my arms. Like, yeah, everything. Oh, I remember the jelly the those bracelets. Yep. Dang. All up my arm. Like, the Wicked Hollows. The Wicked Hollows. 1993. We might need all that stuff. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna have to go through storage and find it. Refind That's it. Thrilling. <laughs> Refine, refine. Yep. Um, hell yeah. So, is there any musical horror that you want to? Uh, anything else you want to? You want to touch in, or we'll wrap it on up? No, I think we're gonna wrap it on up. I think. We, uh, right. Well, this was act two. We, yeah. Act two. 
Act Two. This is Act Two of our musical horror uh, segment. Anybody out there, you know, we have want to follow the show. We have a Facebook page for Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. You You can see our Shock Treatment. Yeah, we Shock Treatment TV on the Boombastic Media YouTube page. Boombastic Media also has a Facebook page if you want to check out some of the other shows on the network. Um, We'll throw in the Dorketing Network for Big Daddy Leo. Um, Check out the fine folks at uh, the Dorkening Network and the Boombastic Media. Shows that are in yeah. conjunction with ours. Yes. You don't... I don't think you've heard any of them on the show. Or well, I don't think you've heard any of us on their shows. But well, I swear I've to you... Of them. But I promise we're all family. We're yeah. all family. It's all family. Um, I put the fun in dysfunctional. Dysfunction, dysfunctional with a big old fun. F-U-N. Yep. Um, but um, it's a beautiful thing, and uh, we also have a str- uh, our boombastic streaming uh, Patreon page where if anybody wants to tag in to help the help the team out financially, we have all types of cool perks in there that cover a whole array of everything we do from uh, the podcast to films to our like our TV styled shows where we throw up our interviews and such. Um, and just all different types of cool perks and such. So if, if, if you're interested in supporting, uh, go check that out. Uh, in the future, you might want to check that out because in the future, that might be the only place to see certain things. So yep. with that being said, with that being said, so with that being said, and also be on the lookout next week, we got a big surprise for y'all where, uh, we have some special guests. Uh, we got a, a special little team coming in that I think will be the first time the group will be in attendance all in one. My goodness. That sounds like a, a ground groundbreaking landmark. I think situation. so. Very situation type thing. going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. You know, so you're not going to want to miss that. So until that time, go listen to all the episodes of Shark Treatment you can to get your fix. Keep you level-headed. And we'll catch you all in the next episode. See you all in a week. See you all in a week. Don't be weak. Be strong. Get through that week to see us again. Sing along. Smoke the bomb. Cheat your child. Exactly. Exactly. We'll catch you all later. Peace. Okay. Treatment has been given for depression for something like 40 years now. It's a very successful and uh, useful treatment for severe depression that doesn't respond to other things. But depatterning is a use of electroshock treatment in a totally different way, in which instead of giving the shocks, say, two or three times a week, uh, they're given two or three times a day for three or four weeks, reducing the patient to a sort of animal, vegetable state from which it's hoped that they would recover in a, uh, a more healthy state of mind.